It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trisankos. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5, where we are talking about Dr. Alice von Hildebrand's book, By Love Refined, Letters to a Young Bride. We're taking her advice and applying it to all our relationships, married or not, newly together or not. But let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, thank you for your graciousness and love. Thank you for creating us and holding us in existence every day of our lives. Grant us the grace to hear your words in our hearts and to live the virtues in goodness, kindness, and charity. Thank you for Dr. Alice von Hildebrand, a.k.a. Lily. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The letter we are focusing on today is titled, It Was a Serious <laughs> Fight. So in this book, we highly recommend that you purchase it and have it and get, give it to any newlywed that you know of. But what's happening in the book is Lily is the godmother and she's writing to her goddaughter, Julie, who's newly married to Michael. And so the book is a series of letters that Lily writes and you always can tell by the title of the letter what the backstory is. So in this case, sounds like Julie and Michael had a fight, <laughs> a serious fight. And Julie, well, I can imagine as a young bride, is freaked out. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness she has her godmother to ask for advice. What does Lily say in this letter to Julie Stacy? She says, Dear Julie. Yes, it does sometimes amaze me that disagreements over such small matters can take place even between people who, like you and Michael, agree about most of the major issues in life. I'm sure that some of the blame should be placed on your hectic holiday pace. <laughs> Exhaustion shortens tempers. Mm -hmm. As the Bible teaches, man and woman were created as complementary beings who are intended to enrich one another through their different structures and their common love in ways that simply aren't possible between beings of the same sex. Neither of you can bring forth a child alone. Together, you can become parents. This fruitfulness is reflected in your souls as well, and all that you engage in together is richer because of it. This is precisely what happens in a happy marriage. Then why does your nature sometimes clash so strikingly with Michael's? I believe that the problem originated with Adam and Eve. When they sinned mm -hmm. against God together, they became estranged from him. Their sin also divided them from each other in a profound way. Sinning together always ultimately separates partners in sin, which is one facet of their punishment. Like most men, Michael must struggle against the temptation to let his strength degenerate into brutality, his courage into rashness, and his nobility into haughtiness and pride. <laughs> and surely you've experienced parallel temptations. Your natural sensitivity threatens to become merely self-centered sentimentalism, <laughs> and your attention to detail can quickly turn into pettiness. At such times, 
I'm <laughs> sure that Michael is tempted to sing with Higgins in My Fair Lady. Why can't a woman be more like a man? I've said before, Christian marriage is a high calling, the ideal setting for reestablishing the original harmony between man and woman so badly disrupted by sin. I love that she said that. It's funny. So she's really gifted at kindly scolding somebody. <laughs> it's good. But I love that she said that actually, because this is a real thing for women and it and it can lead to serious fights, not understanding our nature in our world today. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, but it was a very real thing then. Mm -hmm. So many women in the workforce today feel pressured to what we call ape manhood, to be mm -hmm. more like men, mm -hmm. because sometimes when we get self-centered and sentimental, men wish we were more like men, <laughs> but not really. Um, and so women tend to act like men too much. I think a lot of people would agree. The thing is, it doesn't work for women because we're women. We're, we're not men. And, and I'm saying that from experience, because when I worked at DuPont and um, when I was younger, especially being a, a chemist in a field where there are a lot of men, I did. I definitely did that when I was younger. I tried to be self-sufficient and um, shut down anything in me that was womanly. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty good at it. But men and women are different. As for women, we can tend to do like, I think this is a, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's essential, but I think it's something a lot of women tend to do. Maybe you don't realize it. Maybe you think it's not you, but other women do it. No, we all kind of do it. We can tend to do what Lily called self-centered sentimentalism. <laughs> There's a lot of S's. The it, sentimentalism is the excessive expression of feelings <laughs> of tenderness, sadness, or nostalgia in our behavior, our writing, or speech. So mm -hmm. self-centered sentimentalism means that you're having these excessive emotions about um, nostalgia, about, about um, feelings and emotions, and you're having them so excessively that you're actually not even paying attention to your husband. It's all about you. Mm -hmm. And hey, women, we emote. We are constructed that way. We do emote, some more than others, um, the first time a therapist and a marriage therapist told me that I emote and Jose's not the one that emotes. I was so strongly disagreeing. Like, what do you mean I emote? I don't emote. Yes, I do. I do emote. And I've learned in our work together to save our marriage. Thanks be to God. I've learned to watch Jose. And although he knows that I emote and I finally admit it and, and uh, I'm, I, I get it. I feel like emo. <laughs> I can tell when he wishes I would come up for air. I've learned to watch his face. So so in, in my self-centered sentimentalism, I'll have moments like that where I'm letting it all out. But I also have learned to tell him, I, I just got to get this out. But I can also watch him in those moments and not just focus on myself. And I can tell when he's kind of like, really got to go do something else, wish she would come in for a landing here. <laughs> so come up for air. So I pay attention to him and, and, and not make whatever stressful issue we're going through all about me because there will always be stressful issues. There will always be mm -hmm. stressful issues. You will never arrive at that moment in your marriage where no more. You mm -hmm. won't. You just won't. It won't happen. Or if it does, it won't happen in your first 20 years because we're not there yet. <laughs> Stacey, what else jumped out at you? That's, that's good. The first paragraph jumps right into Lily agreeing with Julie that, yes, it's amazing that little disagreements can turn into huge arguments, even when two people love each other. 
little disagreements. That's what <laughs> jumped out at me because it's usually the little things, right? I mean, like yeah. it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. One reason we think these big arguments are caused by such little ones, I think, is because we allow those things to fester. We stuff things down. We ignore mm -hmm. things. We think, oh, I'll just deal with that later. We try to be like Scarlett O'Hara. After all, tomorrow is another day. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing curtains. Yeah. <laughs> then one day something minor is said yes. and there's an unjustified huge blow up. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Song of Songs, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that damage the vineyards for our vineyards are in bloom. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine, those little things that add up. We have to be proactive in our marriages in order to protect them from things that could do damage. Like we need to make sure that we go to our marriage formation classes. We have to be honest with one another and we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to control our tongues, use that self-control that God gave us. And we cannot use our spouse's weaknesses as weapons against them. We have to know thyself. Again, yeah. we're talking about that, but we have to know that. One of our new favorite phrases. Yes. <laughs> and that, had, like, like, you know, that has just been with me all week since we first talked about it last week. Recognize our own weaknesses so that we can work on them in order to be a better spouse. Catch the little foxes before they do damage, before we get into that huge knockdown blowout. That blowout. <laughs> Not a blowout. Blowout is a hairdo. Hairdo. Okay. Okay. I meant. Which I've never done. A knockdown drag, drag out. out. Yes. Knockdown <laughs> drag out fight. Yes. You knock them down and drag them drag out. out. <laughs> but that is a good question. What is a serious fight? Like, what does that mean? A serious fight? I guess it could mean different things to different people. But I think in marriage, a serious fight is a fight. And, and if you're just in a relationship, like if Stacey, if you and I had a serious fight, it's a fight that makes you question whether the relationship's mm -hmm. going to end. And in marriage, it's it's a fight that makes you question whether you're going to get a divorce or not. Mm. The big D word. That fight, if you've ever been in one like that, it's a really devastating, despairing feeling mm -hmm. um, because the most important thing in your life is about to end as far as you know. It's no longer, though, the fight is no longer about the issue that started the fight. It's become a vent for you both where all the stress, resentment, and bitterness come flying out because what the heck, you're already fighting. Mm -hmm. You may as well bring up all those other things. In fact, mm. use it like ammo. Bring up all those other things that he did that made you about that you never talked about. Bring up all the injustices. Bring up all the things you don't mm -hmm. like about him. And I, I'm embarrassed to say that was me. A serious fight plunges you into such division that you want to hurt each other in that moment. Mm. And uh, and I, I said the other day, this is one of the best pieces of advice a marriage therapist ever gave us, made us wear a watch that measured our our heart rate. And when we get in that moment, the, the therapist taught it, he taught us that when you're flooding, when your heart rate is up, your frontal lobe where your reason, where your ability to be rational is, is flooded. The neurons are firing like fireworks and you can't be rational. <laughs> Mm. You can't be rational. Mm. You can't be rational. The only thing you can do in those times is take some deep breaths and calm down and continue later. But if you keep going, you are in a serious fight.
And we've learned to recognize that, call it for what it is and walk away. And we don't even get there anymore. But mm, the, the kids do sometimes. And I tell them, you're flooding. Mm -hmm. That takes Take such strength to be able to stop in that moment. It does because you don't want to. Mm -hmm. But you have to recognize there's a physiological thing going on. So the chemist to me is like, I get that. Yeah. You, you can't fight it. You got to stop it. Mm -hmm. But we used to have serious fights that would last for days because that flooding would go on and... And we, and it would be so scary. You would be in the fight or flight mode and Hey, you're in a marriage. You, you're there. We would have little kids, unfortunately, who had to hear that, but you can't flee. You can't go anywhere. And I remember just curling up into the fetal position sometimes and just crying because I was so much in despair. And, and you're thinking about divorce and it's all, all this, all this that you've built about to fall apart. Mm. And then when you can't flee, that's when you try to hurt each other. And it would get bad with us. It would get very bad. But we don't, that's, I'm, I'm trying to tell you how bad it was without getting specific, but I could write a book on it, but we don't do it anymore. We don't mm -hmm. have those. You will have serious fights, recognize them for what they are. And we're, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But we did the work and it was worked and it, and it did work. It was work and it did work. We do not have what I call serious fights anymore. We have disagreements and then we have responsible communication and I make sure my needs are heard and my mm. wants are heard and I make sure I listen to his. But I never wonder anymore whether we'll make it or not. Mm. I, mm -hmm. I think about um, what she said also because we had serious fights back when we had small children. What Lily said about exhaustion, I definitely think that plays a role too. What, no. do you, what are your thoughts on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. When you have small, small children, you are exhausted, right? right. All the time. Yes. L Lily says exhaustion shortens tempers. Uh -huh. I thought that jumped out at me because I thought, man, that sentence packs a punch. When we know ourselves, here we go again, but when we know ourselves, we recognize our breaking point. And we come to be when we come to be one with our spouse, we get to know him and we get to recognize his breaking yes. point as well. So and that's important. You know, we want to because many fights could be avoided if we just respected each other in the way that in the way that we respect fire, because we know if we touch it, we'll get burned. We have to respect one another when we ask God to show us ourselves, because the reason we do that is because we want to know if there's anything that is standing between us and God. That's good. If there's something that we need to deal with, mm -hmm. because if there is, whatever that is, it will affect our marriages and it will hinder us from becoming one. When God shows you to yourself, and again, I say know thyself, <laughs> so that you can empty, release, and receive healing in any area of your life mm -hmm. where you have a wall. Mm -hmm protective because yeah how can you become one with someone if you're hiding behind a wall and protecting yourself becoming one takes trust vulnerability transparency a blending of two bound together and bound to god like pat always prays that god would that. bind us together and bind us to god walls simply cause separation yep. you know lily is very practical in saying that exhaustion shortens tempers being hungry shortens tempers hangry hangry <laughs> Angry, angry. <laughs> my husband and, and my daughter, um, they know me very well. And they know that if I get too tired, if I get exhausted, I cry. I am like, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm just like a little baby <laughs> that gets overly tired and doesn't know what to do. And so they just start crying. I mean, tears just start flowing. If I get exhausted, I can't think straight. I can't process 
and I cry. And because Pat knows that, he tries to help me not get to that point. But once I'm there, I mean, there's no reason to try to discuss anything at this point. I'm, I'm useless to any conversation. My daughter and Pat will say, go to bed. Just go to bed. I'm going to lock you in the bedroom. You're not coming out till you go to sleep. Stacey, Lily talks about mm. the fall of Adam and Eve. What are your thoughts on that? This is the theologian and her coming out, the mm. philosopher. And I like how she brought it back to that because that's great advice for a young woman who's newly married. It's great advice for any of us, though. The effects of the fall of Adam and Eve on our differing natures. So we were meant to be man and woman. We were meant to be in harmony, not conflict. In the Garden of Eden, you know, yeah. we, we were meant to be in harmony. But we're fallen. Our fallen selves today, thank you very much, Adam and Eve, can focus <laughs> on character flaws instead of who the other is. So that's very big in Catholic theology, the human person as a whole, body, soul, composite. And you focus on the other person for who he is. You see your husband or your wife for who that person is, or your mom or your dad, or your brother, or your sister, or your friend. You see the other for who he is. But in our fallen nature, we can become overly focused on character flaws because we all have character flaws. All of us do. But in marriage, you give yourself to each other, like you were saying, Stacey, all of us. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty literal person. And I, I remember feeling like somebody took a, like those knives they use in autopsies mm. and just sawed my chest open. And I had to like pry open my rib cage and just let it all fall out on the floor. I'm like, there, you can have all of me. That is a visual. <laughs> Thank but you it for was that. painful. <laughs> it was painful, you know, and, and, uh, but we shouldn't be in love. And again, advice that was given to me, shouldn't be in love with the ideal of the other person, your ideal. We shouldn't love, we should love the person we're in relationship, faults and all. And see that person for who he or she is, but don't yeah. love the ideal because that's when women and men too get mad because now you're, you're talking about the living, Prince, Prince Charming syndrome. You, yeah, that's a <laughs> it's a real thing, I mm -hmm. guess. It, yeah, you're you're in love with your ideal of the other one, and that it's not fair because the other one can't live up to that Prince Charming syndrome. But we're born with original sin. And yes, we will both struggle with character flaws. I have them. Jose has them. You have them. You're, you're, everybody in the world has them. But we were meant, especially man, man and woman in marriage, were meant for harmony. And sometimes <laughs> you just have to get really tough. This is where the grace of the sacrament of matrimony comes in. Because I remember as a convert, having gone through the annulment process and having waited two years and then having the sacrament of matrimony, I took it seriously. Very, very literal me. I took it seriously because the sacrament of matrimony means you are bound for life. There is no end. The marriage is unbreakable. It's a bond that will not end. And I remember one time when Jose and I were having one of our serious fights, I decided to take a different strategy instead of curling up and crying or hiding. I decided I got back up in his face and I stood up to him and I said, look, I don't care if you hate me. I don't care if you see every bad thing in me and you think I'm the worst woman in the whole world. And he hadn't said that. That's what I heard. See episode three about <laughs> hearing what's actually said. He hadn't actually said that, but I felt, I felt like I, I heard that. I said, you're stuck with me, buddy. Blah, ha, ha, ha. We, are, <laughs> we are sacramentally married and I will never divorce 
you. So you can go and be your bad self and you can go off and do whatever you want in life. Wherever you go out there, I'll be right here. Your good wife. You are not getting rid of me and I will never agree to a divorce because we can't be divorced. And he just looked at me like, I mean, I forget what happened next, but it certainly did change the nature of the fight. Um, I don't think we just kissed and made up right away, but but I remember standing on that. So maybe I didn't claim it quite the way a virtuous woman would. But I remember realizing that. And, you know, it's kind of become a story now that's something that we laugh about from the past, kind of like when I made meatloaf and I used condensed milk instead of canned milk and Jose ate it anyway. And Aww. he said, well, you made me sweet loaf. <laughs> anyway, it's one of those dumb things now that we laugh about because indeed here I am. Yeah. All of me still in my marriage. <laughs> That's awesome. Sounds like uh, Jose is your Prince Charming. <laughs> I don't know if Prince Charming syndrome is textbook, but I can tell I you like that it. every little girl yes. dreams of the day exactly. that she will meet her Prince Charming. Yes. And when we can fall into what I call the Prince Charming syndrome by creating in our mind, we, we, we create our dream wedding, our, our dream house, our dream marriage, dream children, mm. our, our life. We have it all planned out from the time <laughs> we're little girls. We have everything planned out and we set the standards so high that no one can meet those standards because we live in the real world. You know, we don't live in the Garden of Eden or in a fairy tale castle like Lily referred to in uh -huh. the letter we read last week. Lily says in um, this week's letter, she says, I've said before, Christian marriage is a high calling, the ideal setting for reestablishing the original harmony between man and woman so badly disrupted by sin. Mm -hmm. In order for us to do this, we have to get real with ourselves in the real world. I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Tresenkos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>